0: Are you flying? <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's some struggles. Um, there was a teacher who, who was teaching a grade three class. She, was, uh, uh, she noticed one of the little girls in her class was wearing a Fitbit watch. Do, do you know what they are? They, they measure the steps. You know, they measure the steps you take. You know, some of your watches you put on today will measure your steps. Mine has a tendency to measure steps. I, I don't know what I'm up to at the moment but um, um, usually Sunday is higher for me than other days because I'm prancing around up here and talking. Anyway, so this, little, this teacher was noticed, a little girl had a, a, a Fitbit watch on, and the teacher, the teacher said to the little girl, are you tracking your steps? And the little girl said, no, I wear this for mum so that she can show dad when he gets home. <laughs> so, so, true story, it's a true story. So I, I was thinking about that little, um, that little story, and, 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 and the reality of that is obviously the mother and the daughter have a pretty good relationship, but maybe the husband and wife need to work on theirs a little bit, if she's telling him lies about how many steps she does in the day, uh, or maybe, I don't know. But anyway, uh, interesting enough relationships and it's not just relationships with mothers and daughters or relationships with husbands and wives but on a daily basis we all face relationships we face our co-workers some of those co-workers you get on better with than others let's be honest uh there's uh sometimes it's people at schools sometimes it's people in our our cohort in our college or university that we're studying at um it can be uncles aunts friends it can people in church there's a myriad of relationships that you have on a daily basis um, we, we, we bump in uh, to people uh, at different times. And so relationships are fairly basic to our daily uh, life. And, th- and the relationship we have, uh, you know, generally for life to go well, generally it's good for, I- I- for life to go well. It's re- really a reflection that our relationships are going well. I think you would agree. And, you know, it's important because, um, you know, uh, the reality is it stands to reason the healthy relationships can bring incredible joy to our lives and strength to our lives when we've got healthy relationships. And and, and the the, the, the reality is that God actually in the very first chapter of the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, He established uh, relationships because He said, He said, let us, talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who, who He had relationship with, incredibly great relationship with, He said, let us make man in our own image, but he did, didn't say man as in that's generic. It's not just male; it was male and female, because he goes on to say there, um, "Let's make male and female in our own image." And so, you know, the best ref- think of this: the best reflection of God's image and character and nature is seen not in an isolated person, but in a person who's in relationship with someone else, because that's how God created us to have relationship, because He thought. I'm having such a good time in heaven here with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I want them to have that as well and experience that joy I have of great relationship. And so thus, the best reflection is when our relationships go well in life, it's a great reflection of what God intended. It's a great reflection of God's community kind of nature that He wanted us to experience. So um, as much as relationships can bring great joy... It would be silly of me to think that every relationship we've ever had in life is just bringing us great strength and joy in our lives, because there's times when relationships can be the very pain of our life. They can hurt. They can be disruptive. They can be. uh, They don't bring. They bring incredible um, struggle into our lives sometimes. And when the very people that we want to have relationship, it just doesn't happen well. And and so I've noticed that when that happens, when relationships are strained that the go-to thought that we can all have is it's the other person who has the problem. And we never maybe consider initially the initial response. It's not always, but the initial response can be that. Uh, maybe as time goes on, we realize, oh, maybe I've got a part to play. But we, we initially say, well, they've got the problem, you know, and, uh, you know, have you ever sat around a, 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 a maybe a table, a committee, and uh, I don't know whether it was sporting, whatever. I was talking to someone this week, it reminded me. And uh, when something goes wrong, everybody points the finger at everybody else. When really we just need to relax for a moment and say, hey, what part do I play in this? And so we see that they can be a great joy or they can be a great pain. And they so we tend to assign to other people the responsibility of our relationships, When we need to take responsibility for our relationships. Jesus actually said, you know, something pretty significant. He said, you know, how come you look at other people and you see the speck in their eye, but then when it comes to looking at yourself, you don't realize you've got a log in your own eye. And what he was saying is he's saying, when it comes to looking at other people, you've got 20-20 vision. You you think you can see really clearly their problems. But when you look at yourself, you seem to go blind because you never see a problem. And uh, that's a challenge to me. Certainly. Thankfully, Jesus didn't leave us helpless. He sent a helper. He's called the Holy Spirit. His presence. Jesus left, but the Holy Spirit came. Aren't you glad for that? His presence. And He comes and, uh, in fact, uh, he, he can bring incredible transformation in our lives as we allow Him to infiltrate our hearts and minds. His presence. And, and in fact, if I was to look at a character in the Bible, Paul, uh, he, he, was, he was the worst type of person initially I mean, talk about how to lose friends and hurt people. This was a man called. He was into his personal, uh, personal. um, I suppose mission in life was to either imprison people and, if necessary, kill people who didn't believe like him. Uh, But one day, on the road to this city called Damascus, he has Jesus. Somehow, has an encounter with Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus was in the risen, he was in heaven. Somehow, Jesus came down. Encounter with Jesus. And Paul was changed forever. And I'm I'm sure that was an initial change, but but the truth is, Paul, over time, over years, actually, then went through a transformation, so that relationships were no longer strained, but he saw relationships as incredibly important. In fact, he wrote to this church in Galatia, the letter to Galatians, in chapter 5, and he said this. He said there's nine attributes, nine virtues, he said, that would be incredibly important for you to have in your relationships now we didn't say it like i've just said it but he just said the fruit of the spirit he says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy come on peace patience. yeah 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 patience uh oh d- don't go ahead of me where am i up to <laughs> even i've got to remember them. kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control i know them i just haven't known them in order so, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, we spoke about two of those, love, and we mentioned love and how that love is the foundation of all the other virtues. Because if the Bible says in, in Corinthians, if you don't have love, you have nothing. Okay, So love is important in the relationship. And uh, that kind of love the Bible talking about was self-giving, uh, not self-serving. And then we talked about joy and we mentioned joy and how joy is not simple happiness or good vibes. You know, if everything's going well, I'm excited. And that kind of joy is not real joy because it's based on circumstantial situations happening each day. If my day is going well, I'm happy. If it's not going well, I'm not happy and I want everybody else to be not happy as well. I'm sure that's not your case. But, you know, some people, you, you know, they seem to <laughs> they're grumpy, you know, I woke up a bit grumpy this morning. Yeah. Um, uh, she did stop being grumpy after a while, but um, <laughs> she's not here. <laughs> Michelle is never grumpy. <laughs> Michelle's never grumpy. I don't really, you know, and, and so the joy, we spoke of joy, but, you know, joy, I, I, I love Mother Teresa. She said, joy is a net where which you can catch other people's hearts. That's a great thought. I mean, she should know. She, she loved people to her dying day. She literally rescued and saw the salvation of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people as she cared for them. So she was saying that joy is a real virtue that, that, that help you relate to other people. So let's go on. The third uh, virtue or the third f- fruit of the Spirit it, um, Paul mentions to the church of Glacier is love, joy, peace, peace. Peace. A man on his retirement um purchased a house situated near a high school. Near a high school. And and uh and for a couple of weeks he had peace and quiet, but then the high school term started and he noticed one morning, particularly within the first week of school, that three boys were going down his street and, and it was in the days when this is a true story, in the days of when um garbage um cans were just literally that garbage cans, they weren't bins. They were metal, metal garbage cans. And they were going along with a stick and hitting each can as they went along the street. And, and so on that particular day, every time he'd hear these boys n- knocking the garbage cans, he got a little bit tired of it. And so one day he went out to the boys and he spoke to them. He said, hey, g'day, guys. how yous going? And they said, good, thank you. And he said, you know what? I used to do exactly that when I was younger. I used to hit the cans with the stick as I went to school. They said, oh, yeah. He says, I'll tell you what. Would you, would you continue to do that if I give you a dollar? each every time you do it not not a dollar for each can just a dollar each and they said you're on we'll do it and so every morning they do it and then about three days later he came out he met them again and he says oh guys you wouldn't believe it i had some bills this week that i didn't kind of account for and and my income is not as great as it could be and so can i reduce it to 50 cents a can they were not impressed 50 cents a can 50 they said okay we'll do it for 50 cents a can he says thank you thank you thank you three days later he comes out to the boys again he says guys i you wouldn't believe it I, I had the bills last week i had these bills again this week and i didn't account for them and i'm gonna have to reduce it to 25 cents each for hitting the cans this is what they said they said this that's it if you think we're going to waste our time banging these bins for 25 cents <laughs> you would be a fool no way that's going to happen we quit And the man lived in peace for the rest of his days on that street. Because all the boys said, don't go near him. You can't, if you bang those cans, you only get 25 cents. (laughs) You know, peace for many of us can mean exactly that, just peace and quiet. And that's a a reasonable um, definition of peace, just peace and quiet. No loud music, no no traffic. You know, some of us move to, uh, you know, to housing blocks that have got acres instead of just meters. And so we can just not hear all the noises. But if that was just the simple definition of peace, you know, the truth is you can have that and still not have peace. Because peace, if we were to look at what the biblical meaning of peace is, basically, I've just tried to tried to uh, drill it down. Uh, it, it's a confidence. Peace is a confidence and a rest in the wisdom and the control of God rather than your wisdom and you trying to control things. It's a confident peace in trusting in Him, in His wisdom and His control. You know when things don't go well. Oh, God, I, I ultimately, I'm just going to trust you. I'm not going to allow anxiety or worry to rip at my heart. I'm just going to trust you. Because the Bible says it's God's peace, not ours. I've found that the peace that I try to generate sometimes is far from peace. But when His presence, and His, I don't know His peace, it's amazing how you can stand up in the midst of whatever's happening at the time and have a peace. You can have serenity. You can have No noise. But you can still have no peace inside. So when I allow the peace of God to infiltrate our hearts, it changes the temperature of how I react to other people around me. Because you think about it, the peace that God gives, I'm able to start my dealings with you, not from a place of anxiety or worry or internal conflict, but instead I start my dealings with you from a soul that rests, uh, that has rest and calm. It's so much better how we deal with people when we just have rest and calm we're full of anxiety at how we deal with people it's it's, it's a different story isn't it so um i see jesus an incredible example of this because at the beginning of the ministry of christ he went up on a hill one day and it's recorded in matthew 5 and we say it's the sermon on the mount it's really it's a whole lot of pearls of wisdom that he shared it just wasn't one sermon it was many and he said this blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the Sons of God. That's generic. Sons and daughters you could put in there. Peacemakers. I've came to understand there's a difference between being peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Sometimes as a peacekeeper we can just keep the peace and we're not really being true to ourselves and trying to keep the peace. So, you know, at the end of Jesus' if that was the start of Jesus' ministry, he went up on that hill and shared the, you know, Blessed are the peacemakers. At the end of his ministry, he, he walked on another hill. It was called Calvary. And on a cross, he suffered and died. And when he was on that, he practiced what he'd preached all his life. Well, for those three years anyway of ministry. Because we see he accomplished peace uh, between God and humanity. And then he said, it's finished. And you may say, what was finished? What was finished that day? you know theologians would refer to jesus death as the atonement and you may ask what is that about it's not a word we use every day what's atonement well to put it in maybe the best terms i can when two people are hostile to each other their relationship can be seven and we could say that they are odds with each other well the bible says that our human nature our sinful fallen nature was at odds with god God was perfect. We were imperfect. Um, Even though God is caring and merciful and gracious towards us, we can think that we know better than God and we decide that we can live without God and we turn our back on Him and we say, and and so there's a hostility between us and God in a sense. Even though He's loving and He's for us still, we kind of. Someone said to me, Where's God? Well, I said, Who's moved? Not God. He's there for us. It's just that we move away from Him. And so when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have to be at odds with God. We can now be at one with God. In actual fact, the word, that's where we get the word atonement from because it means at one-ment. At one-ment. One with God. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He bridged the gap between us and God and He enabled us to be forgiven for our sin our past our failings and every time we come to him we can know that our one meant that reconnection with god as we come honestly and humbly before him and the word uh, there is repentance coming before him it says in colossians 120 that, that having he made peace through the blood of his cross so if you ever read colossians 120 and think what in the world is that making peace through his blood that sounds a bit you know different Peace through his blood, that's what it's talking about. Jesus Christ shed his blood and we became reconciled to God. And the wonderful thing about that is that when we come to God and know that peace in our hearts, we're at so much better place, a so much better platform for us then to be at peace with other people. It affects our relationship with other people when we've got peace in here. And we become not just peace keepers. People, you know, and and, and what I see is sometimes when we offer peace to others, they don't necessarily offer peace back if we've had a difference of opinion. They're still angry, still upset, whatever. And we've got to be careful that we don't... um, Peace is not minimizing sin. Peace is not agreeing with someone else if they're not telling the truth. Peace is not a, a lie to evade disapproval. And sometimes when we're with people in relationship... We tell them little lies because we want their approval, or maybe we just want their connection. It doesn't mean you need to go out of your way to try and make, you know, make them angry. But the reality is, you need to be a peacekeeper, and not a uh, peace—sorry, a peacemaker, and not a peacekeeper. And sometimes we've got to be careful. Please understand, peace towards others does not mean that we won't ever disagree. Maybe with another person, that we should stretch. And that we shouldn't stretch this idea of peace and give it to the de- and give in to the demands if they're not demands that are godly or right or true. I think we will agree that there's some laws in the world today that we could not biblically uh, embrace. Would that be right? Mm-hmm. Does that mean we need to go out there and, you know, punch someone in the face who made it? Well, no, because I love what paul says he he says this. He said, um, where did he say it? No, no, he said, it. Oh, oh, that's the next point. I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, no, no, here it is. Paul said this, Romans twelve eighty. sorry. He said, Romans twelve eighty. as it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all people. There's something behind that, that verse. Paul's saying, as, it is, as much as it's possible, as much as it's possible, live at peace. Oh, I remember the day that I... Uh, that I drove into a car park behind uh, the main street, probably 10 years ago now. And when I drove in, I just quickly drove in because I wanted to catch the bank um, right on the time that it opened so that it didn't fill with people and I got there first. And so I was sitting in my car, I'd parked the car, I'd sit in my car, and I was, um, I was looking through my phone and it's quickly, uh, and, you know, just checking it, getting my papers together. And a lady knocked on the window of my car, and so I, oh... Okay, it took me by surprise, I wound it down. Straight away when she knocked on the window, as soon as it was down, she started to give me a mouthful. And she started to berate me, and she said, that's my car park, and you're in it. And I thought, and straight away my thought was, what? I didn't say this, I thought, what? This is your car park? What do you mean this is your car park? They're free car parks. It's, not, it's got your name on it? I didn't say that. <laughs> and she says, that is a disabled car park. I said, no way. And then I realized what I'd done wrong, innocently, the car park was located under a tree. This tree had dropped all its leaves over the icon that was on the bitumen part of the car park, and you know, the wheelchair icon, and I couldn't see it. When I parked there, I didn't see that because it was covered up. And you know, I have a choice right now. Just get angry, just give her a mouthful, or maybe just an angry, uh, you know, uh, um, choice words will kind of re- maybe, what's maybe, what's the scripture? I've forgotten it yeah yeah anyway a, so, a soothing answer calms the angry heart so i um so i i said to her i i kind of reduced my anger levels my frustration and I, and, and the injustice of it i'm innocently parked here she's upset with me and so i said to her i'm sorry Whew, that took the wind out of her sails and she went Okay, and then she started to tell me why she was so angry. And I empathised with her because people had put notes on her window. Because she, when I saw her walk away, she walked with a massive walking stick. She walked with an incredible um, disability, but she still walked. She walked really hard. And people were saying to her and writing notes on, putting it on her windscreen. And where she parked, she said, you're not really disabled and so I empathised with her, and we made kind of friendships together. I've never met her again, but at least we finished on a good note. And I was thinking, why don't I share this story? Um, and I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, um, you know, we either, um, you know, I, I, we we don't we don't have to live life, you know, giving up our own faith journey to to agree with people, but at the same time where it's all possible, that's right, Paul was saying, where it's all possible, live peaceably with people. And I, I just remember that day, how I took the opportunity just to calm down, relax, don't come back fire with fire. And it's amazing how this person responded, and it just relaxed, and start, we started to communicate on a relationship level, and not a not a heightened emotional level. And some of us communicate on a heightened emotional level, and it doesn't need to be that sometimes. We just were it all possible, as Paul said to the Romans, as much as you, depends on you, live peaceably with all people. So, Paul understands this. Um, doesn't mean we won't disagree with another person, but we'll, let's not stretch the area of this idea of peace and give in to the demands of something. That's not right, not true. Um, I, love, I love the fact, here's the truth, but. That until our peace is made with God, we, we struggle sometimes to have peace with humanity. Until we let the presence of God and the Holy Spirit invade our lives, we struggle sometimes to have peace with humanity. I, I remember someone rang me um, many years ago, many, many years ago, actually, probably 10 years ago. And uh, I got a call from the nurse from a hospital. said, come up, there's a gentleman. He just wants to talk to a, a priest. I said, well, I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. She said, that'll do. So I went up. Um, <laughs> I went up and I went into this room. It was in the Martha, what was used to be called the Marta Hospital. It was it was a it was, a, um, it was an indi- it was a uh, room, independent room. No one else was there. He was the young man, about thirty-five. His mother was had uh, deceased just that probably twenty minutes before I got there, and uh, she was just laying on the bed. And he didn't introduce himself. He started the conversation. He says, "Tell me that my mother's in heaven." <laughs> That's a great way to start a conversation. I said, um, "Sir, I." I, I personally am not God, so I can't tell you that. But what I will tell you, I said, Did she believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Had she, had she responded to Christ? Did she realize what Christ has done and taking her failings and sin? And, you know, I, at least he gave me a, a moment to share that. And then he just, and he kind of ignored my question. And he just said, She was a good woman. And she'd done all these. He started to list all the wonderful things that she'd done. And it's interesting that we always return. to to that narrative when we're not sure about our eternal destiny. We always start to speak those type of things. Well, he was a good man. Surely God would let him in. You know what? God's a good God. He's the inventor of goodness. He's the initiator, the creator of goodness. But I've discovered it takes more than goodness. It also takes, if you are a good person, why don't you just embrace the person who made you good in the first place? And that's Jesus. So I shared with him that. And you know what? It didn't soothe his angry soul he was just angry he was angry cuz he didn't know where his mother had gone and i couldn't give him the answers cuz he wanted me to say oh she's in heaven and enjoying heaven well i hope i did say i hope she is sir but i can't give you that and you know what ultimately it wasn't about his mother it was about him and his anger about he wasn't quite sure of his destiny and he wasn't and you know what, no matter what I said, he could not bridge the gap between him and God, because he just couldn't see it, that if he'd give his life to Jesus, he could there would a peace would start to roll out in his heart. That, that would then affect how. We looked at everything, because it starts with Jesus Christ accepting him, peace. I agree, Adeline, it's so important. <laughs> no. Sorry, Steve. Please, Um, peace is a desire to achieve in my relationships with you, and with other people. Out of what Christ has achieved in my relationships with God, and when we understand that whole principle of reconciling our differences and what's, you know, with God, that's how exactly He wants us to do with each other. So we don't live in in um, in this terrible parable. I've always been angry with someone, always upset, and whenever we see them, we have to cross the other side of the street. No, to live at peace, and to forgive, and to be forgiven. It's a powerful thing for relationships. Can we go on? Someone say yes. Patience. Who needs more patience? Just me and three other honest people. Every relationship requires patience, folks. Even the best relationship, even the most super wonderful, exciting relationship you have, there's always elements you'll see that patience will be an t- incredible virtue in that relationship. It, it, patience, and when we think of patience, we can assume it's like peace, but there's a difference. Patience is the ability to face trouble without blowing up or hitting out. Because patience, you see, patience always involves the presence of some type of oppositional struggle that you have to go through. I used to watch my dad when I was growing up, because my mum grew up in an era when when, when she didn't want to drive. She didn't want to learn to drive. Did anybody have a mum who didn't need to drive? I, I had a mum who didn't want to drive, and there was those days when women didn't necessarily drive, and she wasn't interested in it. So my dad would drive her. For their whole marriage of 55 years of so marriage he drove her everywhere I thought he's an incredible patient man he'd take her to the shops and he got to the point where I noticed he would say it's okay honey you go to the shopping and I'll just sit here and relax and he'd sit in the car and relax it was an hour and a half later she'd wander back out and he would still have a smile on his face I thought that's a good marriage I've got to have that (laughs) that man is patient and he was (coughs) he would drive her everywhere an actual fact, I think it's, it was the making of their relationship. Because when they drive, because it wasn't two cars in the family. Not a problem if you've got two cars. I've had two cars. I've got one at the moment. But you know what? You get to talk. It's good, isn't it? Anyway, side point. That was for free. <coughs> Basically, patience, patience is being long-tempered rather than the other thing short-tempered. I'm so glad that we have a God that deals with us and he's, he's long-tempered, not short-tempered. Because if God was short-tempered, He'd have road rage, I'm sure. <laughs> if God was short-tempered, He'd be upset because His restaurant meal didn't come on time or His fish and chips were cold when they finally got to Him. He'd be, if God was short-tempered, he, when He couldn't find His car keys, He'd hit the wall with the fist. ever done that? So, but there is a Psalm, 103 verse 8. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, And abounding in love. Hallelujah. I need that slow to anger, abounding love in my life. He's incredibly gracious, compassionate, slow to anger. We all have an opportunity to be angry and frustrated every day, and we just need his patience. There was a gentleman, he was pushing his trolley through the supermarket, true story, and uh, with a baby that's screaming. Ever been in a supermarket with a screaming baby? Sometimes we can be really quick to go, I wish it shut that baby up, but you know, there might be other circumstances why that baby's screaming, so you just need to be considered, I suppose. But he, he, there's a woman uh, that um, was going up and down the aisles the opposite way and listening to him, and every time she went past him, he was saying, keep calm, Harry, keep calm, and this little baby boy was screaming, screaming, screaming. Finally, about the third time they crossed, finally in admiration of the man's patience, the woman said, let's let me commend you on the patience you have with little baby Harry. He said, I'm Harry. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit is so ready to impart through His presence just patience in our lives. But we've sometimes just got to speak it out. Again, you know, sometimes at the start of my day, I say, Holy Spirit. Just remind me if I'm about to get upset or impatient or angry about something, just tap me on the shoulder, stop me so that I just breathe and realize it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And you know what? I found that he does it. (laughs) He'll, He'll say, come on, don't allow this to get to you. Jesus was an incredible example. He was an incredible example. And the reason he was an example was that he had so much patience for people. And sometimes when we go through our problems and we cop our insults and bitterness and anger aimed at us, and we can sometimes come back with um, anger and bitterness and all those type of things, we just need to consider the patience that Jesus had with us. I mean, he hung on a cross for us. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was, he was flogged and eventually died. And, you know, the reality of it was is that at uh, the end of it, he was patient. He said, I forg- you know, I forgive you. I've done it for you. And I'm so thankful. And then, I, you know, sometimes I just remind myself of the patience and the love that Jesus showed me and how I need to reciprocate that in my relationships with other people. And sometimes you just need to talk to people. I've found that some people are angry because they've got a preconceived idea about what you're th- they think you're thinking or what they th- assume that you're thinking. And when you sit down and talk with them in a, in a respectful way, it's amazing how you can just build that relationship and take the time. It, o- it often just starts with a conversation. And so patience is an incredibly important part of the life. Let's go on and we'll finish with this one. And you, you guys are blessed because I didn't get to this point in the first service. But I've got, got about three minutes uh, to do this one. Kindness. Kindness. Um, the world says the first thing about yourself and make, is to make your point, be heard, stand up for your rights. It means trampling on other people, so be it, whatever. But, but kindness, you know, it's just make sure. You, you've got to be heard. You've got to stand up. And you know, in this, some instances where you do need to do it, but you need to do it with the element of kindness. Kindness is the ability. Listen to this: to serve and think of others rather than you're serving and thinking only of yourself. Okay. When Jesus was crucified, as the team come up, he was crucified. There was not one cross that that, Calvary, that day of Calvary. There was three crosses. Jesus was in the middle, and 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 there was a two thieves, and the thief on the left really uh, badmouthed Jesus, because he said this, don't you fear God? Oh, sorry, he didn't say that. He says, <laughs> that's the other one. <laughs> Listen, I, I flicked too far down the page. If you're, he says this, if you're really the Christ, save yourself and save me. In the midst of this incredible moment of Jesus' death, suffering, this man, it, it, was, the, it was the thief on the left, this man on the li- left, all he could think about was what he wanted to happen in his life that day. And so he, gave, he bagged out Jesus and he said, you know, if you, you save yourself, but save me. Now I can appreciate if you're dying, that's probably a good request. But the ultimate, if you look at the, in the light of what the other thief said, boy, the thief on the left, he'd surveyed the whole scene in the terms of who could serve him in the situation. But the thief on the right is such a contrast to the thief on the left, because he thought not of himself, but he thought of others. He said, don't you fear God? He's talking, the thief on the right's now talking to the thief on the left. He said, don't you fear God? We're suffering for the evil we have done, but this man has done no evil. So he goes into bat for Jesus. So in the Bible, he's thinking of Christ. He's not only thinking of himself. In his moment of death, he's thinking of someone else. And so the Bible says, Jesus showed kindness to the thief on the right, and assured him that day he would be in paradise or be in heaven with him. And my question would be, why didn't he show kindness to the thief on the left? And you may remember there's a principle in scripture that just goes like this. Well, actually, Jesus shared this principle in the Sermon on the Mount again. He says, blessed are those who show mercy, mercy, for they shall be shown mercy. Those who are merciful will be shown merciful. And throughout Scripture, there's a principle of sowing and reaping. When you sow, you'll reap what you sowed. And, and, and it's interesting because um, the truth is, if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. If we forgive, then we'll be forgiven. If we show mercy, we'll be given mercy. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know. And if you want to receive kindness, then you and I must be like a good thief. And we need to be thinking about how we can serve and be kind to other people and you'll find kindness will be your way. Someone the other day said to me, "See, gee, this this church is so kind and friendly." And I said to them, "Do you know why this church is so kind and friendly?" And they said, "No, why is this church so kind and friendly?" Because you're kind and friendly. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> it's amazing how friendly and kind a group of people become when you start to be that way yourself. Hint, hint. (laughs) You may say today, well, how can I apply? How can I get more patience and peace and kindness? I just got to pull my socks up. Pull my socks up and get better at it. Well, that would be the wrong application. Because, you know, I found in my humanity, I can't do that so well. But, you know, when His presence... And through Jesus Christ, I find that it's very, I'm very capable of doing that. When we connect, when we allow the Holy Spirit, it's the fruit of the... Did you notice it's a fruit and not a works? Sometimes, you know, it, you don't ever see an orange tree grunting and straining to try and produce oranges. It doesn't go, oh, and all of a sudden, an orange pops out. It doesn't do that because it's not works of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit, folks. And fruit comes naturally. And if a tree is planted in good soil, sunlight and water, it produces naturally. Hint, hint for us, when we plant it in the right soil, not in, not in the world of all the reasons in the world that we should, you know do this and say that not in a worldly sense but in planted in the spirit of the living god planted in his word planted in his truth and his presence it's amazing how much fruit that you'll have and how much patience and how much peace and how much kindness you'll develop in your life because it's he's flowing through you and you're you know it's jesus that we be, when we have Christ in our life, we become the best version of ourselves. The best version. Otherwise, I think I'd be a pretty miserable person. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as nice. And, and, when, and then when sometimes I, I, I kind of neglect God, I'm not as nice. And I think, come on, what do I need to come back to? I just need to come back to that relationship with Jesus. And that's why... It's so powerful. Sometimes you just have that daily devotion, that daily moment of worship and daily admiration of him. And you allow his presence in your life. And in church, it's more than just a Sunday thing. We just need to have him every day. He's going to be there tomorrow morning when you get up. And you you can welcome him into your life again tomorrow morning. He's there. His presence. So the application of this message is not just pull your socks up, get better at being patient. Get better at just being, you know, kind, and get better at having peace. You just got to get better at it. No, you just need to get better at letting Jesus into your life through the Holy Spirit. Can we stand today and we look close?